thank you uh, so much uh, for being with us, as uh, Sharissa said, in worship today. And as we gather around God's Word, I, I just want to reflect on the gospel uh, that we're going to be looking at for the sermon today. And if you have a, a Bible app or your Bible, you can follow along. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 38 through 42, as we just kind of focus in on what Jesus is teaching us this morning. It says, And he arose, and that is Jesus, and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. This is the gospel of Christ. Amen. We've been uh, kicking off this last week. We kicked off a sermon series called Healthy Rhythms, and Pastor Anthony started it for us. And he sort of laid out the groundwork for what does it mean for us as followers of Christ to lean in in healthy ways and have a, a good rhythm uh, when it comes to our faithfulness and, and what Jesus calls us into. And it's not a surprise, this, this is usually how it happens. Whenever uh, there's a sermon um, that you have to preach, I feel like almost always I have to preach on a text or a theme that I struggle with. And so uh, one of the spiritual disciplines that we're covering today is the one that I find to be actually personally one of the most difficult. And it's the, the spiritual rhythm, the healthy rhythm of silence and solitude, That is having moments of quiet and peace and being alone, that sweet silence, right? And I think everyone sort of talks like, you know, oh, I would love just to have a moment alone, a moment of quiet, a moment of peace. Um, But but I I think that as we start to look at what this means, it's it's much more difficult than just sort of uh, spiriting away someplace, away from people and being alone. It's, It's about something significantly more deep. Kind of like a New Year's resolution every now and then I find myself in the position where I really want to commit to this spiritual practice. I want to find time to be quiet and be still and just um, and, and listen to what God has to say. And so usually when I get in these moods, I look to different apps and things to help me out. And, and one of the apps that I've tried using this for is an app called Headspace. Have any of you ever heard of this app before? Um, some of you, yeah. So I've I've downloaded Headspace, and and two one of two things always happens when I try to have silence and solitude. Um, and I'll be honest, I'll you know sometimes I do this in my office. So I'm about to confess something. Like I'll get to a place where I'm alone. Usually it's my office. And um, I turn on the app, and the voice tells me kind of what to do, and then it plays like a little bit of noise in the background, and, and then I, I begin to calm myself. And within five minutes, almost 100% of the time, I just fall asleep. Like, I can't be present enough to stay awake. Like, I'm just done. Um, it doesn't matter where I'm at. If I try to do this, there's a good chance I'm going to uh, be asleep. Uh, the other, the other thing that happens is if I if I don't fall asleep, 
it's because I can't actually settle and quiet down. Um, I'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden I'll start thinking about all the things that I should be doing, and why am I wasting time in silence and solitude, and then I'll, I'll feel my watch vibrate, or hear an email ding, or, or the air conditioning will kick on, or I'll hear some horn outside, or something like I just, it's like constant input, and I can't seem to settle down, and eventually I get unsettled enough that I think, why am I wasting my time doing nothing? I've got to get going. Nobody has time for this, unless they're sleeping, for silence and solitude. And yet, uh, Jesus sort of modeled for us this rhythm, and you, you see this in the text that I just read from uh, Luke. I mean, Jesus was out healing people, and as he healed people, more people came. People gathered around him. He's casting out demons, and and people hear this and hear these stories, and so they want to be in his presence. You see in the gospel stories about people just wanting to touch him, to experience him, to hear his words, to be comforted by him. And, And it sounds overwhelming to constantly have people needing you, and wanting you, and, and wanting something from you. And at the end of this gospel text, it says that Jesus departed and went into a desolate place. And as he, he left the crowd and finally found a moment away from them so that he could take a moment to reconnect to God the Father and be present in his silence and solitude and peace to kind of recharge, and then continue his ministry. And so you see this happen. You see him engage people very productively, and then you see him retreat and take a moment, and then he re-engages, and then he retreats. And you see this rhythm happen in the life of Christ. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran pastor in Germany around World War II, he, he wrote a book called Life Together, And he really talks a lot about, in terms of our own personal healthy rhythm, how important it is for us to be alone and to be together in community. You can't really do one well without the other. And so I want to read this quote from him. He says, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. He will only do harm to himself and the community. Alone you stood before God when he called you. Alone, you had to answer that call. Alone, you had to struggle and pray. And alone, you will die and give an account to God. (laughs) Sounds very uplifting. (laughs) He says, you cannot escape from yourself. For God has singled you out. And if you refuse to be alone, you are rejecting Christ's call to you. That is, if... If you cannot find time to be alone with God, then you're not going to be helpful to the community because you're disconnected from him. Christ died for you, you alone. He called you specifically by name. You are his. And yet the reverse is also true. He says, let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Into the community you were called, and the call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called, you bear your cross, you struggle, you pray. You are not alone, even in death. And on the last day, you'll be only one member of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. 
If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ, and thus your solitude can only be hurtful to you. Again, you you see that rhythm. You need to be in community, carrying each other's burdens, lifting each other up in prayer, but then you need to withdraw, be alone, recharge, reconnect, and then re-engage. You need both. But when it comes to silence and solitude, I think it's hard because there's three areas in our life that I think it's really challenging to have silence and solitude. Uh, One area is the area of your mouth. Like, can you zip it? (laughs) Can you be quiet long enough to listen? Listen to God and listen to other people. Another area is with your ears and your eyes. Like, we are incredibly overstimulated visually and auditorily. Like, it's a constant bombardment of vision, visual things and noisy things. Um, in fact, I just, I found this, like, audio clip and these images, and I just want to, it just captures to me kind of, like, this should stress you out. If it doesn't, I don't, something is wrong with you. Let me play this real quick. <laughs> to boost its interest rates up to 18% as it battles against financial collapse. And now, economic messages to win the support of like a kindergarten classroom, right? Encapsulated in video. It's just overwhelming. In fact, I was listening, like, I have this, like, PTSD response to a certain tone on the phone because it's the tone that we wake up to. And sometimes it's somebody's ringtone. And when it starts ringing, it's like I can feel my body get tense. Uh, The noise is coming to you. The visual's coming to you. One of my first conversations uh, with Pastor Anthony via text is he said uh, he loves John Mayer, and so I put a little John Mayer underneath some of that audio. I don't know if you caught it or not. What? Yeah, right? Yeah, at least it wasn't Nickelback. So uh, this is a throwback if you've been worshiping here. That's what that's called. But uh, there's a lot of input that can distract us. But not only do you have visual and, and auditory input, but there's also something that's, I think, more difficult to grapple with, and that's the interior. What's going on inside of you? Can you be at peace when you are with yourself? And so thinking about the mouth, um, in Ecclesiastes it says there's a, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And so sometimes what we have to work at is is not only when we're alone, but when we're with other people, we begin to cultivate the habit of silence and solitude by instead of feeling the need to actually talk and share our thoughts and opinions, maybe to not share our thoughts and opinions. Maybe to keep our mouths zipped a little bit more. And this is true when we're with others in community. Sometimes it's helpful for the community if we can practice silence instead of actually saying something. But there's another word that kind of comes to mind. I'm kind of a word nerd, and I don't know if you know this word or not, but you know the word um, log, logaria? 
Have you all heard of this word before? Does anybody know what this word means? So it's two, two words, logo or lago, uh, which is word, and then rea, which is like um, flowing. And it's related to the word diarrhea, diarrhea. And so this is um, diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. And I think one of the things we have to work on is not having diarrhea of the mouth. That is being quiet, not just talking endlessly, not always feeling the need to contribute to the conversation. This is with people in community, but this is also honestly with God. I mean, imagine like when you think about it, when you go to God in prayer, when you take time to connect with God, sometimes don't we have Lagaria? <laughs> God, can you heal this? Can you fix that? Can you show up in this way? Lord, would you do this? Lord, can you help this? Would you increase that? It's almost like we just, we can't even not just talk at God. We, we have a hard time sitting in silence and being ready to listen. Uh, Psalm 62 says, my soul waits in silence for God only from him is my salvation. Our souls need to learn how to wait in that silent, that, that pause. But it can be really uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. Have you, um, have you heard of the religious, uh, religion, religious group, the Quakers? Have any of you heard of the Quakers? Um, it's where Quaker, Quaker Oats has the picture of like the traditional Quaker on the front, but they worship in a very different way than how we do here at Bethany. And and, in fact, from a lot of different congregations, like we here uh, at our church, like we, we sing songs, we say prayers out loud. Um, we will confess what we believe out loud together. We'll talk about the things we need to do and focus on. It'll be sort of active outreach oriented and it's kind of busy and and it's engaging and it's constant it's 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 music it's speaking it's everything the opposite of silence and solitude in a quaker worship service everyone shows up and there's like no like leader they sit down and they begin worship in silence And they stay silent until the Holy Spirit reveals something to one of them. And then they stand up and share what they think they're hearing or experiencing. But silence for us is usually really uncomfortable, right? Like if I'm quiet for too long, people are like, did he forget what he's going to say? If the music doesn't start on cue, did someone make a mistake? Did the audio guy cue up the audio on time for that video? Why is it silent? Silence is difficult. It's unnerving. And yet we're called to be in silence and solitude as part of a healthy rhythm in our life.
Not only is the practice about our mouth, but it's about what we are seeing and what we're hearing, which I already kind of talked about a little bit, but we're, we're constantly being bombarded with a lot of things in worship, on TV, the constant scroll. Most people can't sleep in silence. <laughs> they can't sit in a room in silence because it's just so uncomfortable. And yet, when we talk about the spiritual practice, the healthy rhythm of solitude and silence, what we're being invited into is into a place where we do start to shut things down and off around us so that we can maybe for a fleeting moment listen and hear what God might be trying to help us see or understand. One of the reasons why I think we struggle with keeping our mouths shut sometimes and and, and not watching things or listening to things or being distracted by things is because I think at the root, and this is what's really hard, I think, about silence and solitude, is that you have to still focus on what's on the inside. Because you can be in a room by yourself in complete silence with no distractions whatsoever and try to be present before God, but invariably, you know, that saying, wherever you go, there you are, <laughs> You can't escape yourself. And so there's those voices in the back of your head. Did you do the dishes? Did you pay that bill? Do you have enough? What did that look mean? When I was having that conversation, I should have said, Do I really have faith? Am I really loved? Does so-and-so like me? It never stops. And it's hard to hear what God has to say when you can't quiet that internal dialogue, that monologue that creates doubt and uncertainty. Martin Luther called that whisper sometimes the voice of Satan. <laughs> Did God really say are you really as good as you think you are? You see, solitude is more a state of mind and heart than it is a place. It's not about going somewhere. It's about being. There is a solitude of the heart that can be maintained at all times, whether there's crowds or lack of them. It has little to do with this. It has to do with this inward attentiveness. And so often when it comes to faith, like I said, we speak and we act and we engage in this way and it's, and it's the opposite of this practice. And this is why I think it's difficult because what this practice is inviting you to do is actually to stop and to trust. That is to let go of control, to not chase that inner monologue and just to be present. That Headspace app that I was talking about at the beginning of the service is this video that I think help is helpful. Um, it has this like brain that's running around going crazy, and there's these cars of traffic driving by, 
and the, the cars are those thoughts and those feelings that you're constantly having in the background. And every time a car would drive by, the brain would see it and chase after it. And what that app was trying to say is whenever that car drives by, instead of chasing after it, just notice it's there and then let it go. And I think so much about the silence and solitude is about just sort of acknowledging that, yes, there are bills to pay, there are things to do, there are, there are tons of distractions and things aren't perfect. It's okay to go ahead and acknowledge that, but instead of chasing it, just let it go. And in that moment of silence and solitude, God comes. He is with you. He is for you. And he loves you. Amen.